Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Homeschooling families have discovered and become devoted to the exciting written and recorded creations of today's guest, Paul McCusker. It's my joy to bring you this exciting conversation with a Catholic writer who will inspire your children. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik. Today's guest is Paul McCusker, a Catholic writer who will inspire your children. Paul McCusker is a writer and dramatist best known for his work on the long-running children's audio program, Adventures in Odyssey. Also, the award-winning radio theater productions for the Augustan Institute and Focus on the Family, as well as a variety of novels written for all ages, including Into the Catacombs, Last Things, The Adventures of Nick and Sam, and The Virtue Chronicles. And he's got lots more coming up. We'll get a chance to talk about that, too. Paul is currently Senior Director of Creative Content for the Augustan Institute in Denver. And yes, that's where your parish is getting formed from. He lives in Colorado Springs with his wife, son, and daughter. And I've got several links in the show notes where you can find Paul McCusker, where you can find Adventures in Odyssey, where you can find his Amazon author page. Paul, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. Welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Oh, yeah. And we got connected because one of our sponsors, Walter Crawford, who's one of the owners of Homeschool Connections, he and his wife and six children love Adventures in Odyssey, which you've been associated with for a long time. Would you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that? Well, sure. I, um, I, well, I, I grew up Baptist, I should start with, and uh, amazingly started with a very arts-minded church. And, and so, I've been wanting to write. I mean, my desire to write has been with me since I was a kid. And through various connections, it led me from Maryland, where I grew up, to Southern California to work with an organization there, which then led me to uh, focus on the family and Adventures in Odyssey. Very odd thing in the middle of the 80s to have someone trying to do an audio drama, a radio program, because it was sort of the MTV generation. Everything was visual, visual, visual. And they thought we were crazy, but 
uh, I joined this team to uh, work on the show, and now it's 35 years later, 35 years this month, 35 years later, almost a thousand episodes. It still airs all over the world. That's so um, that was the beginning. They they were determined, I, I guess, to, to, to use storytelling um, to connect kids to Christ and to uh, to his teachings. And basically, I, I think from the earliest days, our mandate was, how, how do you live out your faith, you know, in 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 your house with your brothers and sisters with at school where people drive you crazy at anywhere wherever you are and <laughs> how do we live it out with prayer and with faith and all that so odyssey began that way and continues i mean to this day just exploring those themes o- over and over but i i don't think with a lot of repetition it amazes me to think of 35 years and a thousand episodes and I don't know that I've ever heard anyone complain that we repeated anything, that somehow there's a dynamic to it that just keeps unfolding with the characters and the plot situations. So that's that's the short answer. Oh, that just sounds so anointed, Paul. When I hear something like that, where God keeps breathing new and fresh life and ideas into something that is there to serve Him, that is countercultural in every way, and even technologically it was countercultural in the 80s. Mm-hmm. All of that kind of excites me because God is so faithful. What kinds of feedback have you gotten over the years from listeners? Well, I think with Odyssey in particular, I, I know that no matter what I work on, Odyssey's a point of reference. I was at an event uh, the other day with the Augustine Institute where we were launching a new video series called Eternal Rest. And so we were doing like a screening and someone came up to me and it was remarkable because she came up and she said, so my older kids who are now in their 20s grew up listening to Adventures in Odyssey. So they're going to be so excited that I met you. But my younger kids love the adventures of Nick and Sam from that you're doing for the Augustine Institute. So they're going to be excited. And I thought it's a wonderful thing to have to be part of something that I think impacts people because as we've explored how do you play out your faith in the context that you live in, I ended with a preposition, and the context <laughs> in which you live. Um the uh I think the impact through storytelling has meant a lot to people, especially over the years. I mean, Odyssey is now in like a second or third generation of of kids listening. So you've had kids who listened to it at the beginning grow up. Now they've had kids. And now we've actually got moving into a third generation of listeners. And the show, by the grace of God, sort of regenerates itself. We wrote it in a way so it wouldn't seem dangerous. We did our best to keep it timeless. So you could listen to an episode now uh, from 19 that we did in 1989, and there's little to betray that we recorded it so long ago. So it's it's that kind of thing. That's the power of storytelling to me. The impact keeps coming back. I get echoes from uh, fans, listeners, people who just know it and know me in connection to that. So. It's gratifying, it's humbling in a lot of ways, because as a writer, we just, I mean, we just, we produce it. I've always equated it to sort of being on one side of a wall, and you do your best with what you're doing, and you sort of throw it over the wall, and then you could, you start work on the next thing. 
hoping and praying that whatever God's doing on the other side of the wall is going to impact lives and that he's going to use it. Uh, I'm just not clever enough to have ever come up with something that could last this long, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And and I love you mentioned before we hit record, um, you know, and, and a little bit kind of reference to it here. Um, you're, you converted and came into the Catholic Church about 12 years ago. And so, one of the things that I love about our Catholic faith is that we have an appreciation for mystery. That sense of throwing the thing over the wall, being faithful and then releasing it, surrendering it. To what God will mm-hmm. do with it. It's such a beautiful part and, of our and life. It's true. And the thing, I mean, that was a big part of how I wound up with the Augustine Institute was when I, the journey that led me into to the Catholic Church when I was received in, one of my questions was, how can I take all of the things that I learned in this evangelical Protestant world, and can I bring it into the Catholic community? And for a while, I wasn't sure that the answer would ever be yes. It seemed to be no. Uh, that the community, uh, or at least the the gatekeepers for the Catholic community, kept saying, oh, yeah, yeah, story is great, we believe in story, but nobody actually wanted to invest what it would take to create those stories for the Catholic community. They just didn't necessarily trust that Catholics were that interested in storytelling to the degree that they were Catholic. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Catholics do read a lot of what everybody else reads. But the idea that you could read something that was, I want to say, inherently Catholic, uh, they didn't believe it would work. And then it was Dr. Tim Gray at the Augustine Institutes who actually said, I think it, I think people are looking for this. They just haven't found it. So we're going to try to find it for them. We're going to provide it. So it, around the same time that he created and we worked on Formed, which you mentioned, um, we then said, okay, we've got to create better storytelling. And that became my job and my mission was to, to bring everything I ever learned as a storyteller in the one community and then bring that into the Catholic community. And uh, so far, I think it's working. Everybody Very else will have to tell me. I, I never really know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're having a lot of success, and, and that, that's really you know, such a sign. Uh, there of talent and dedication and calling that God is bringing such beautiful fruits from it, Paul. So, I just want to say that the people listening to us right now, you know, almost every family, if you've got more than a few, has a kid that tends to be the creative one, right? Right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You mentioned loving to write since the time you were a little kid. A lot of our kids in homeschool co-ops are writing doing amazing creative things and really they really just mm-hmm. come to life in those things. We live in a culture that doesn't appreciate creativity very much in the context of pure creation rather than problem solving, uh, which is also very mm-hmm. good. But can mm-hmm. you just give us a sense of how your creativity or, or creativity generally in your mind and in your experience fits into God's plan for our lives? Well, I think storytelling itself, we've got to go back to the source. And I'm a big advocate, and I agree with a writer, Dorothy Sayers, who wrote, before we know anything else about God from Scripture, the first thing we know about Him is that He was creative. In the beginning, God created. So, even before we understand Him as a king, as father, as all the ways in which we understand God— The first thing Scripture shows us is that He's creative, and then in making us in His image, He puts that spark of creativity inside of us. 
It's our imagination. It's that thing. It's an impulse. I mean, there are people, I suppose, who create strictly for the business aspect of it. If I create this, then I'll make money and it'll, it'll provide a need or it'll, you know, it'll, it'll take care of something. But for those of us who are driven by this bizarre impulse, um, and it, at the point when I could read and write, I, I was creating. It was the outlet. It became an immediate outlet back to my mom has sent me stuff from when I was five, six years old that I was creating, drawing and writing poems and doing things like that. Aww. I can't say there was a plan to that. It was an impulse that I believe is God-given. So in terms of faith, for me, I find I find it impossible to separate my faith from the creative side of it. They have been together in tandem from the very beginning. And until this very moment, I don't think I made, uh, actually, I'm only making the connection in this moment. And that is, I've always said, because people have asked, so when did you start believing in God? And for me, in my, my life, I never didn't believe in God. There's no point where I didn't. I always believed in him, and bizarrely enough, always believed for some strange reason that he loved me, not out of any merit of my own, anything that I thought I, I was worthy of, but that that was just my understanding of him. And it's interesting that that earliest sense of him was also concurrent with my desire to be a storyteller, to create and to express through story or drawings or whatever the case may be. So I think if I look at my life, it, uh, it's easy to say that they're intertwined. I, I wouldn't know how to disentangle them uh, because those themes, when I write, even if I'm trying to write something that I think will be a bit more secular, the, the, the faith themes always wind up back in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think I think it's vital. I think the two of them together uh, are, are what makes it work for me. And I would say is probably what would make it work. And I don't mean in a utilitarian sense. I mean work as in is in that expression that your families that are listening, uh, people who are listening that have that impulse. Uh, I think if they step back and look at it, it's it's in integrated together with their life and their faith. It's not a separate thing, like just a separate hobby that you do, even though it may seem like that at times. Mm, yeah. And so it may be uh, that creative urge to write or dance or act or whatever that might be. But at some point, you went from naturally telling stories and out of that sense of being loved by God and became a professional. What was the inspiration there? Well, I think it was, it was actually, my feeling was, I, um, well, I'm going to write whether I get paid for it or not. It'd just be nice to figure out a way to get paid for it. And so, um, a practical thing that I did early on, I mean, one of the first things I did when I was in junior high, they, strangely enough, they offered a typing course and I actually learned to type. And that I thought was the most practical thing that I'd ever done. But after that, I, I think I knew that I wanted to write. I didn't know if I could make a living at it, but I wanted to write. And so in school, I actually studied journalism. So by the time I got to college, I thought, you know, if I become an English teacher, 
I'll be teaching, and I'm afraid that I'm going to be one of those teachers that has a manuscript in the desk drawer that never got published, that nobody ever saw, that I would get lost in the the literature, and then actually, I wanted to be a working writer. I guess that's the way to say it. And I thought the only way to be a working writer would be to major in journalism. And then in college, it narrowed down providentially. I could not... I could not have contrived my career, by the way. I'm the last person to tell people to ha- how to have a career. All I've done is more or less follow the steps, the, the, the leadings that I believe were God-given, and just followed them. And so, even my instinct in, in college was, well, copywriting. Now, copywriting is not the legal thing. There's copywriting with a W. Um uh, there, there's the R. The, the one with the R is the one where you see a copyright. A copywriter is somebody who writes the stuff that goes on the back of books. It's the stuff you read in catalogs. It's the stuff that describes products or whatever the case may be. And I actually worked uh, part-time for a publishing house in the town where I lived in Maryland. And so I leaned towards the copywriting and I thought, you know, I might be able to make a living my tent making, as Paul had, St. Paul, um, I can make a living doing this while I'm writing. And I was, my church was very arts-minded. I began to play with one-act sketches, dramatic sketches, dramatic plays. We were doing musicals. We were doing all kinds of things. And so I had a way to make a living while I was doing all this stuff, in essence, for free at the church. And uh, that combination, I think most people, I always advise anybody who wants to get into the creative arts that you need to have two skills, basically. You want to nurture your talent through the skill of the creative, whatever that is, acting, dancing, music, sculpting, whatever it may be. But you definitely want to have a job that's going to pay the bills while you explore uh, all the other factors, uh, while you explore your creative expression because you never know how it's going to hit. You never know whether what you love to do and how you like to express yourself is going to hit at the moment that you're putting it out there. Um, There are a lot of more talented people than I am who've never been published, have never been able to write a script that was produced uh, for reasons beyond talent, marketing force, whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. I say have do both. explore to the nth degree the creativity that God has given you and that you feel a passion to explore. But don't be naive. There are a lot of factors to that. So have yourself a skill, a job, whether it's construction or uh, working in a restaurant or working for a corporate, whatever it may be, you just want to be able to pay the bills while you pursue the other things. Yeah, I, there's a Christian writer, Jeff Goins, um, who wrote a book, Real Artists Don't Starve. And he describes that as being yeah. your own arts patron. That we don't, that yeah. waiting for someone else to support us while we do our art is probably not going to happen for most of us. Um, yeah. but I, I love that. Yeah, it's, it is very practical, but it also keeps it going, keeps the sacredness mm-hmm. of those gifts alive. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. 
And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. Would you say a little bit too about um, kind of what's at the heart of your work and where that takes you in your creative process? Would you give us a window into what that looks like for you as an artist? Yeah, I think if there's a common theme that this late in the day, I've been able to figure out, I've realized that part of the creative impulse is storytelling, but I, I think at the heart of it, it's also me trying to figure out faith in our the context of our lives. So let me unpack that a little bit. So some of the dramas I've done with the Augustine Institute have been St. Francis, um, St. Cecilia, St. Patrick, um, soon to come St. Uh, uh, Joan, uh, Joan of Arc. And one of the common denominators for all the saints is they basically said yes to God, uh, almost recklessly, come what may. Because if you even look at those saints, they were very different. And in the context of their lives, they answered God's call and did it, but did it uniquely. All of them were very unique. So there isn't like some template that you could simply say every saint is alike as if they were somehow manufactured in a factory. They were all very unique personalities. They expressed themselves very uniquely. St. Francis being very different from St. Patrick and all the rest. So that I think is, I've come to the conclusion that's true for me, that the the thing that I keep going back to is storytelling helps to illuminate things that facts and proclamation uh, certainly give us but they, storytelling engages another part of the brain. It engages the imagination. It engages something that goes beyond mere fact, mere, I'm proclaiming the truth to you. Storytelling, all art, is an exploration of truth in many ways. And so, for me, it's, it's I, I think I just keep trying to figure out how do we live out our faiths, faith, our faith in the context of our life now, because this is the only time we have. So we can learn from other periods of history and other people in other periods of history. But the fact is, God is calling us now in the context of the situation we're in now. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. It's difficult. We have a lot of forces against us, either aggressively against us or subtly against us, trying to pull us away. And I think the stories for me keep going back to, so how do we do it? How are we living out the faith? How do we inspire? And I think storytelling inspires um, because you see how other people are doing it or you see how they're struggling to do it and then you're learning from their lessons or whatever the case may be. I, I think as a storyteller, that's what I keep going back to. Mm. And that's it's become unavoidable for me. I, I think I've tried to sidestep it, <laughs> and <laughs> so far, I just haven't been able to. Um, and, and fortunately, and I think the wonderful thing, uh, if the heart of, of the blessing of it is that I've been able to write in a lot of different genres. I, I haven't been pegged in one thing. Uh, I can write historical dramas, and I work on mysteries, I work on slice-of-life stories, I work on a lot of different kinds of things, and I have, by the grace of God, have been able to do that. 
and actually make a decent living at it. Um, and and that I, I think that's the thing that I would also say to young artists is explore the edges. Just look, don't your interest, follow your passion into the thing that you want. If you want to write mysteries, write mysteries, but don't ignore the other opportunities. Don't ignore other genre to just explore them. I mean, you may find I could never write a science textbook. I can't do math. I know my limitations. <laughs> so I'm not going to do those things. But zeroing in on one thing, I think there's a breadth of creative expression that's always worth exploring. Um, you know, we follow a lot of alleyways as as cre creators, you know, to explore. And even if you get to the dead end and you backtrack, fine. Learn from that. Now I'm going to go and try a different direction, if that makes any sense at all. It makes so much sense. You're touching on so many important things, one of which is that when you were a child, you told stories naturally. That was just such a part of who you were. As an adult, you have a clear sense of mission to answer a great question. What does our faith mm -hmm. look like lived in our imperfect, complex lives with all its stresses? And you touched on the fact mm -hmm. that stories ignite our imagination. There's a place in our minds in the way that we are wonderfully made by God. Um, mm -hmm. And there's you know, that responds to stories, which is why Jesus used them. I'd just like to touch, too, on one of my favorite scriptures, Romans eleven twenty nine, that we're irrevocably gifted and called. But what that looks like and how God teaches us through each moment that leads us to the next, that it's a surprising adventure with God. And your telling stories helps us to experience these other adventures that God has ignited in other mm. souls. So, mm. would you, uh, what would you, you know, I've just said a lot, so you can say anything you want about that. And I'd like to also just speak a few words to parents ab about what they can do to encourage yeah. their gifts, but it, take it anywhere you want to, Paul. Well, and I just think, I mean, you've touched on it, that the storytelling, the creative expression, uh, which or Tolkien, you know, we, we are sub-creators because God was a creator. And we are filtering through uniquely filtering through how how i'm perceiving my world and writing about the world or if i create a world whether it's middle earth or whatever it may be uh if i create a world and i'm still filtering reality in a in a unique way that's the thing that happens i mean you can learn you, you can learn technique you can learn a lot of things but uniquely it's like when you read scripture uh, the writings of paul do not read like the writings of Peter or of James. I mean, you, you've got a very distinct personality playing out in that. And I think part of that, that's part of the illumination. It's the filter through which uh, reality is then expressed. I mean, uh, a director like Alfred Hitchcock said, we have to remember that stories aren't real. Um, he said, it's it's real, but with all the boring cut bits cut out, you know. <laughs> and and that's it. We're not. We're, I'm not pretending to present reality. I'm presenting a, a representation of reality, and that's what everybody's doing, whether it's through dance, sculpture, painting, whatever it may be. And I think that's the thing that we do. We, in many ways, we're seeing things that other people don't see, or they've seen, but we're actually illuminating them in a way where they have the aha of, well, I knew that. I saw that. I just forgot that I saw it. And I think that's true in our, our, our faith, 
that we there's so much richness to the Catholic faith. Two thousand years of exploration of of ideas of living it out. So many saints, so many things to explore. But we're still trying to sort them out. Like, well, what does that mean for me now? What does that mean for other people around me? And so, if I can explore through fantasy, science fiction, mystery, whatever it may be, things that don't push people to faith, but might nudge them to ask questions they might not otherwise ask. To I, I, I don't really write to proselytize now because I think art that tries to proselytize betrays itself, and then it's not very good art. But art that explores alongside the viewer, the listener, uh, whoever it may be, um, I think that sort of, I mean, that's the sort of thing that inspires. It, it quickens something in the hearts of the audience that then makes them think a little differently, maybe makes them think things are possible they didn't think were possible. So, mm -hmm. With Narnia, for example, the one thing that kept coming up from people who would, even later in life, they read them as kids, later in life would be in a relationship with Christ, and they would do that because they said, Narnia showed them that there's more to the world than I knew. The world is more than I know. And I think that's another theme for me. I think I keep going back to the wonder of of there's just a lot more going on than we know. So how do I tell stories that nudge people in the direction to look at that other thing, the other reality um, mm. that exists out there? Um, so I think oh, that's beautiful. probably a convoluted way to to say to say it, but I think that's the gist of it for me. Yeah, yeah. And and for parents listening, Paul, you have kids of your own. What are some ways that we can support, encourage, help them to trust that adventure with God in, in living well, out I their creative lives? In a lot of ways, honestly, um, patience is a big part of it. Because usually the people who are processing the world and then expressing it back again through some form of art are not necessarily processing in a classical way of learning. You know, it's the... There is a bit of a weirdness to those who are, are lean into, and I don't mean in a self-indulgent way, which I don't encourage. I, I just think in terms of how how they process tends to be a bit different. It is true for me. Um, so, it, first thing for parents is just be patient, okay, and and just step back with a certain amount of wonder, maybe rather than irritation. Um, <laughs> And uh, because I know that creatives can be irritating <laughs> and can drive people around <laughs> a bit crazy, the randomness sometimes that comes with it while we're exploring ideas, while we're, we're trying to process, and the way we process, whether that's through a lot of communication or through silence or whatever. Uh, don't confuse creativity with rebellion. Uh, sometimes it, I think it gets confused. Sometimes it may be. Learning the difference is important for parents to see the difference between I've got a, a child who is actually being, you know, a bit uh, stubborn as opposed to uh, this is the way they're wired, the, the creative mm. side of it. Mm. And you, you mentioned it, encourage. And a lot of the encouragement is uh, two kinds of encouragement. One is, is 
not just the parental encouragement, like, oh, good job, we'll put this up on the refrigerator kind of encouragement, but the encouragement that comes from from feeling like your child is being taken seriously. I think the things that meant the most to me much younger were the teachers who noticed, but they didn't treat it like, oh, oh, this is like a kid who wants to be an astronaut. No, there's something here. And they would encourage in a very real and meaningful way, which wasn't everything was good. It was sometimes, this was good. I think you can do better. Or you did something there. I remember in seventh grade writing a story that actually shifted point of view. And it was very strange. And the teacher Mm. actually noted it, that I had done it, started one way and then turned, which I just remember the note being, this was really clever, well done. Mm. So taking it seriously enough not to treat it like, you know, just messing around with dolls or messing around with soldiers or whatever it is. But like, no, there's something real here worth worth encouraging and talking about. Um, though, admittedly, I think most of the time my parents did not understand at all <laughs> <laughs> what it was that I was on about or what I was doing, but they didn't discourage me. You know, a lot of times it was just smile and nod or whatever the case may be. Which I think should console um, I, parents because we're never going to do it perfectly. And look, look how you oh, turned no, out. No, no, no. <laughs> as a parent, I can assure. I mean, I've got a 23 year old son and 21 year old daughter, and um, and they can tell you, and I can tell you, that the playbook has still not been written. I mean, since the Garden of Eden, there's been no, there's good advice, but I don't think there's an exact playbook for parenting. Uh, to get it absolutely right at all, in all times and places. You just, you can't. Um, I can, I've tried to explain to my kids how often, most of the time, I'm just hoping I don't mess it up too badly, let alone <laughs> get it right. You know, that we are in a state of anxiety on their behalf because we know what they don't know about the future in a sense of consequences and certain things you, you don't mind them tripping and falling you just don't want them to fall out of a third story window you know exactly. there's the difference between that learning curve and then a major event that could change the direction of their lives and that's the kind of state of anxiety <laughs> i think um we we were always in as parents i'm sure i'm sure all your parents have it figured out i'm sure they've got it done but um oh. and, and i should say by the way there's a character that i'm creating I'm, I'm, I'm developing a new audio drama series called hope springs with the augustine institute and i've not told anybody about this oh boy so you're getting big reveal exclusive. everybody hope but springs. i actually have a there is it's actually become <laughs> a bit funny because there is i've introduced a character who just seems to be really smart and and he's and he says, yeah, I was homeschooled. Um, <laughs> and he's it. the homeschooler. And he's really smart. But the other kids are saying, yeah, my parents said they wanted to homeschool me, but they said they couldn't bring me up and homeschool me at the same time without hurting me. So, they, <laughs> And that was kind of the way it was. I mean, my wife felt, you know, I, I, I don't know that I have the patience or the ability without like permanently damaging our relationship <laughs> to actually go to school. So, you know, we'll deal with the repercussions of public school and figure that out later. 
Um, most of that was a joke, by the way. I don't want anyone to think that I'm, you know, denigrating anybody who's trying. No, to I think the message that I'm getting from you the ability to do it. Right, yeah. but but having a sense of humor about ourselves as parents, it's all it, God is there with us. We He completes what we leave unfinished. Mm-hmm. Ready, he, he helps to draw out good fruits for those who love Him. Um, thank you for touching on Hope Springs. I really wanted to know what was coming up for you that you're excited about. <laughs> what final thoughts would you like to leave our listeners with, Paul? Well, I, I think just that. Um, just a lot of what we've said, which is for parents, the patients, acknowledging the processing differences in terms of how people who are really love creative things and want to express themselves somehow, but also to encourage those who are that um, if if you're creative, pursue it, explore it, kind of go after it until circumstances or something strong arms you into saying this is not the way to go but i think it's usually there if not as a career because like i said there are a lot of creative people out there who couldn't make careers at what they want to do but they can still do them and they can do them and i think if there's anybody listening in the context of our churches um our parishes i i would love for parishes to find a way to be more encouraging in that realm too. Because I'm afraid that we've lost two or three generations of of Catholics who engage in the arts and who know it. And not just know it and love it, but have have were born with talent. But we must learn discipline. We must learn the skill to fulfill that talent, whatever the talent is. And it would be wonderful beyond home to also get a sense of that in some form in in the lo- our local parishes if not to if there's no means to encourage it well how how do we keep from discouraging it do you know what i mean and i'm not mm-hmm. saying we're supposed to reform the mass or do anything there i think there's a v- very strong difference between that versus other opportunities we might find to encourage the creative arts and those among our families who are creative and they're looking for a way to express it but for many of them uh the only ways to express it would either be through a secular realm which of course would squash any semblance of catholicism or even through an evangelical protestant realm which would also pretty much want to squash any semblance of protestantism i mean from of catholicism so um we don't have, uh, I want to say, the thriving arts community that we of all people should have, and uh, and and th- that's I, I I pray for uh, a change in the in a direction of encouraging the arts within our seminaries, within our Catholic schools, but also in the local arena within our families but also within our churches what that looks like i i don't know i honestly don't know i think over the years i've been so used to going it alone that i in that regard that i haven't been able to think through well what does that look like anyway somebody smarter than me can probably figure it out but i do know that catholicism needs a a a, a renovation if i can call it that Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of our arts. We of all Christian arenas should have 
uh, the upper hand when it comes to creation. Because we've got so many years of the greatest art came out of or through a Catholic sense of reality, of church, of living. And I'd love to reclaim that somehow. And I guess it's just figuring out how. Mm-hmm, yeah. And and let's all take that to prayer because it's such a worthy question. Um, calling out that unique baptismal identity of each member of the church so that the church comes to life in all the ways that we're meant to be that bright city on a hill. Paul, this has been mm-hmm. so lovely and so deep. Mm-hmm. And I know that our audience will really appreciate where you're coming from, uh, what your experiences have been, the great questions that you ask. Um, everybody, thank you for listening in. And again, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. All right. God bless you, everybody. We look forward to being with you the next time here on Homeschooling Saints. Have a very blessed day. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you.